Hello, hello, welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. A brand new time. This is going to be showing at 11 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. on the mountaintop. And of course, those of you who are watching it at the time that is going to premiere, welcome to you who are watching it after. Welcome, we're glad to have you along. As always, that is AJ, he's the green. I'm Ken, I'm the beige. Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As we have said before, we are working on some stuff to get, you know, a little more content and get things a little better for you. And we are happy to be debuting a couple things today. And you will hear about them as we continue. AJ, how are you doing, sir? I'm fine, sir. I'm, I'm good. Outside is warming up, so can't ask for much more. What about yourself? Well, I am, I am not too bad. As you said, outside is generally warming up, but today was a bit of a chilly day here in the mountain top. We have a bit of a rainstorm <coughs> happening on the outside. But I'm on the inside, nice and dry, nice and warm, so I am good. Indeed. So, we, we did this a little bit before in the past, but we're going to do it again today. We are going, our first segment is called Off The Rip. And Off The Rip today, we are looking at that big trade that was announced a couple of days ago. We are recording this time on a Tuesday as opposed to a Monday. And Off The Rip, we have the Jets who announced that they were trading Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers for a 2021 sixth-round pick and a second and fourth round picks in 2022. And they've already announced as well that they will be exercising his fifth year option. So AJ, when you look at this deal on the part, well, we start with the Jets because they're the sellers in this instance. When you look at this pick from the, from the Jets perspective, what are your thoughts? Uh... Thoughts, well, <laughs> first of all, was that, yeah, they couldn't really get much for old Sammy. Uh, I think they got what they could. Generally, I'm not surprised by the trade. We, we, we've we been speaking about this for a while. Um, I mean, if they had a number one pick, we know Sammy would have been gone a while now. But uh, still, the fact that they are number two, uh, the, the biggest speculation was that they were going to draft a quarterback. I... I mean, we even heard that they they may have moved out of that spot, but I I think with the new regime that's coming in, it was always written on the cards that they were going to to start an entirely new project and get Sammy out the door. So it doesn't surprise me really. And based on what they got back from him, I I think they they just kind of really wanted to get him out the door more so than anything, and and just get anything for him because I mean already I guess uh, are satisfied with the high enough pick that they have this year and. That's just indicative of what they're going to, what position they're going after. We already knew it, but this is just like the nail in the coffin. Um, yeah, it, it, it just, it, I'm just resigned to the fact that I, I, I've accepted it to happen. I, I love a rebuild in my conference, you know, it helps me. So um, in, in my division, sorry, it helps me. So I, I love it. Well, I mean, when I look at this, similar to what you said, that they were basically, you know, taking whatever they could get. It's basically like the hustler on the street that comes out to you and tells you, hey, do you want to buy this DVD for $5? <laughs> and you tell him, listen, DVD, man. <laughs> I am not buying no DVD for no $5. And then he's like, all right, so like, what you got? What, right. what have you got in your pocket I can take? Because you cannot tell me that if this was always the plan, that you're going to end up with not even a a top five or a, a third round pick this season, but a sixth round pick for 2021. And then you don't get, like, there are no firsts involved at all. So it's a second round pick and a fourth round pick. That's all. <laughs> Is that all you can get for, well, we don't, we can't quite say that Sam Darnold is starting caliber quarterback because he's not demonstrated himself to be 
a starting caliber quarterback throughout the three years that he's been in the NFL. However, as we've said before, a lot of the teams believe that he was gassed, that there's a lot more upside to be shown from Sam Darnold than he has been able to show because of the situation that he was in. He is still very young. And because he's so young, you would think then that if we factor in that he had two head coaches in three years, he's had, I think, three offensive coordinators in three years, <clears throat> he had Adam Gase that has not proven himself to be any level of NFL head coach, that with his age then, you would be able to sell your negotiations a little bit more to get more than what they've gotten. But as you said, right now, it seems like if they were just desperate to get whatever they could. And like I said, it's like, we're going to your pocket. It's a paper clip and an old stick of gum. We'll take it. We'll do whatever we can to get this guy out the door. And I'm not sure like how much that really makes sense from the Jets' point of view. Because, yeah, you're looking at these, these new rookies that are going to be coming into the league, but we don't often see a rookie quarterback come in and be lights out from the get-go. They're always growing pains. You can always expect that that first year, especially, is going to be rough. Um, Joe Burrow, he showed great flashes early on before he got injured last season. So now you're expecting that somebody else is going to come in and give you Joe Burrow-level performance or Joe Burrow-level production. Or Justin Herbert. Or Justin Herbert. But the thing is, with Burrow, we knew Burrow was going to be the starter. The Chargers were saying that uh, Herbert was wasn't, not yeah, going to yeah. start until yeah. the doctor did them a favor and stuck Tyrod T Taylor a little too deep. So, hey, hey, be careful what you say. These are allegations, okay, sir. <laughs> but we know that he would that he he had a punctured lung administered to him by the doctor. We do not know if it was done on purpose or not. The charges right now are not sorry because they know that Justin Herbert is the real deal going forward. That's the only point I was making. I'm not casting aspersions. I just, I just wanted, I just wanted to make sure this is a clean show. This is a clean <laughs> show. I just, I just needed to make sure. All right. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. I appreciate that, sir. So yeah. So from going back to the Jets, I believe that the Jets could have done more. They could have gotten more. They could have done better than what they have done. But if that is all that they have managed, I guess that is all that they could have done. I guess. Yeah. Like I said. Like I said too. I, I, looking at it. That was the first thought. I was like, I, I feel like he could have gotten more. Um, but at the same time, looking at Sam Donald, you mentioned his record so far since he's been in the league. I mean, what, whether he's been gassed or not, the reality of the situation is that he hasn't shown enough, so it was probably going to be harder to get, like, a first-rounder for him. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, he's, he's still wet behind the ears, that kind of thing. Like, you know, still on a rookie contract. I, like, it, it hasn't proven much, so... While I still do feel like there could have been better negotiations taking place, I am not fully surprised that like a first round pick was not involved at this point. But I still do think that the the plan was just to get him out of the door, and and we're less than a month away to the draft, so I'm not surprised to see this move happen like at this point. Fair enough. Same here. Like we expected that something would have happened, and no, something has happened. Now, from the Carolina perspective, you've gotten, as I just said, a young quarterback in for pennies on the dollar. So what do you think or how do you feel about this trade from the Carolina perspective? So our our resident Panthers fan, one Mario Vanderpool, hail up to, to Mr. Vanderpool, uh, the resident Panthers fan of the, of the, of the chat, is he, well, I'm pretty sure you heard his initial reaction. He was not pleased. <laughs> and I think it had more so to do with, even if he wasn't co completely convinced by Darnell as a, as a quarterback himself, he, what, what he was questioning was the fact that at this point, they don't have an offensive line. They don't have protection for him. So like, why make this move now? The way I look at it is, you're not making this move if you don't have plans 
to fortify that offensive line to protect them. Mm-hmm. Because I, if if it like you said, it's pennies on the dollar, but at, at the same time, it's still Sam Donald is still young enough that you can make him a franchise quarterback or at least start well franchise in the sense of like build on him for like the next four or five years, something like that. Not franchise in terms of necessarily the big facer, no, not the marketing aspect on the field aspect, right? So I guess like let me let me put start the say starting quarterback then. Yeah, at least make him a starter, have enough time to work on that. Um, so yeah, I, I actually think it's a good deal for them. I I sorry, Pooh, but I actually think it's a good deal. I there's no way I I know he does the direction, but I can't see how you bring in a quarterback this young, and you've actually seen him struggle with with a bit part offensive line and tell yourself it doesn't matter. You know what? It doesn't even matter what you've seen before. You're not bringing in a young quarterback and not protecting him. You're not. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no way you can tell me that they're, they're not planning to make some sort of move to solidify that offensive line. Um, I, I, I like the, the little reunion he has with Robbie Anderson. I don't rate Robbie Anderson as a very high like wide receiver one or anything like that. I think he's decent. Last year, the last year he had with Teddy Bridgewater was Still pretty good. Sam could throw a decent, a decent deep ball. So, and they've had, I mean, mind you, <laughs> Robbie's last season, the, the just concluded season was the best of his career. So obviously it was better than the two he had with Sam, but they were they were being gassed. That's the point. So you never know. Um, with the shackles off this time, uh, you know, I mean, rules still kind of like trying to prove himself, but there's no way Matt Rule is worse than Adam Gase. So uh, <laughs> there's no way. I'm not even entertaining that thought. So I I I I actually do like the move. I think um uh, as opposed to just Robbie Anderson, they have they do have some good weapons offensively. Like Curtis Samuel was having a good year last year. Um I feel like there's another name and it is just eluding me at this point in terms of the receiving core. Um yeah, I mean they let Mike Davis go from the back, but Christian McCaffrey should be back. I mean, I think he has a good enough offense to work with, right? Um, I, I like it. I, I, ju- I just like it. I, I think I think with the right coaching, with stability at the coaching position and, and uh, a good offensive coordinator and all that, I think this could work. I, I, I'm not blown away. I'm not like, yo, this is a really good move. But I think, all right, this is solid. Yeah, if you have a foundation you can build on, if, if you have, yeah, if, if you um, fortify your foundation, you have something to build on. Well, like you, I believe that this move is a positive move for Carolina. I I know, as you may mention of, of Brother Poole, you know, he sounded... Pooling like this segment, boy. Pooling no, like not this he, he sounded <laughs> very, very despondent. Yeah, yeah. Talk of what this deal was and exactly what happened. So, I, I've looked at it from a couple perspectives. So, we have Sam Darnold who has three years in the league, and Teddy Bridgewater, who has had an injury hit career thus far. Sam himself, he's had a couple, you know, issues that have taken him off the field, be it injury or mono. And we... He spits. <laughs> we know that we, we hope for the best for him where health is concerned. Now... When Sam was in New York, he really didn't have many weapons to deal with in New York. Um, his best running back was uh, uh, Frank Gore, who is the ageless wonder of the NFL. He had Robbie Anderson for, I think, one, maybe two seasons at most. And then the like Quincy Inunua was another receiver that he had and other names that especially this this past season nobody Rashad Perryman for a year but yeah I yeah I, I take your point though yeah. right so he didn't have he didn't have any weapons to really work with but no as you just mentioned he has Curtis Samuel he still he goes and he meets up again with Robbie Addison he still will have Christian McCaffrey who is one of the premier running backs in the NFL especially one of the best pass catching backs out of the backfield right. so he has a lot of weapons that should make his job easier as you said, the expectation would be that there will be some work done with regards to the offensive line because 
the offensive link in Carolina was a weakness last season. So you have to do some work there. At this point, if you're making a comparison between Teddy and Sam, it's going to be difficult to pick which quarterback is probably better than the other because neither of them have been really that convincing in their careers. I think Bridgewater has shown that he has ability, but he has the reputation of being a dink and dunk quarterback. But this last season, he's shown that he's willing to throw the ball down the field. And Sam, as you mentioned, can throw the ball down the field. So there's a lot to like from this or for this from the Carolina Panthers perspective. And then the cost of the deal. It really didn't cost them anything. So they can still, because I think they're drafting in the eighth place, in the eighth position. And this this court, this draft is expected to be quarterback heavy in the top 10, which means that if there are any premier linemen coming out of college, they should be available when at least one of them has to be available when they draft at eight. So from that perspective... You, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that, right? Sorry, mm -hmm. but Go there ahead. is an offensive lineman who's rated very highly. Uh, highly. I can't even remember what school he's from now, but Penesuel, I know the name. So I'm, I'm actually... And the fact that you mentioned now that he is... that um, Sorry, that they, they were drafting at eight. I'd completely forgotten that. But I'm, I'm really interested now to see if he ends up landing to them and if they take him because he... Like I said, amongst the, uh, like you mentioned, the, the, it's, it's quarterback heavy. But amongst that, there is he is like the standout uh, um, in 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 that area, uh, offensive right, offensive tackle. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would be. I, I think that would actually be a really good move if he falls to them. Huh? I mean, yeah. if it's possible, but I would love to see that. Yeah, I mean, we we know that more than likely quarterbacks are going in the top three, and I don't remember who else is drafting in the top 10, but... Yeah, I actually, just to, on another point on that, I actually saw something suggesting that the, that Atlanta is willing to trade out of the fourth spot. Yeah, which is also quite interesting because moves are happening in my division and we'll, and we'll see how that goes. I believe that Atlanta should stay put and they should be looking for their quarterback in the future Right now, if not the quarterback for right now, because Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan has not gotten it done. He's been a he's been a good quarterback. He would be franchise level quarterback, but he's not gotten it done as their starting quarterback. So, but at this point, it's the same after that Super Bowl. Exactly. You know, at this point, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Everything is going to be a lot of rumor, a lot of conjecture, and a lot of a lot of talk until we actually reach draft night. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. The only other thing I wanted to make mention of with regards to Carolina and Sam Darnold is the fact that, as you made, you had alluded to as well, Sam Darnold is still on a rookie contract. So in terms of quarterback cost, he's still cheap. Exactly. And they just picked up his option. So they have him basically under contract for two years to make a determination as to where this is going. Right. And if after the second year, it's still not going anywhere, then it can cut bit, get rid of him. I mean, a fourth and a sixth round pick, next draft. Exactly. You give up nothing and you have enough time to evaluate with this project that you have going on. I like it. Sorry, Pooh. I like it. <laughs> it. It could be worse. It could be worse. Indeed, it could. So we, we have finished with that first segment. And now we are on to talk about the Green Beaches. Um, I can't even say favorite because that might that would give the wrong connotation at this point. But Deshaun Watson, a regular appearer on this pod. So last week we spoke of his legal troubles. And as of this recording, he now faces 22 lawsuits another um, lawsuit has been filed against him one of them has been lodged with the houston police as a criminal complaint so that is now a massive problem that he's going to have to face but his lawyer they released these statements from 18 masseuses 
I'm assuming, I don't know what's the plural of that word. I, I apologize <laughs> if that was incorrect. But these 18 women who were hired by Deshaun to give him massages over the last like two or three years, I'm not exactly remembering the timeline correctly, but over this last period of time, in which they have all said that he has been nothing but professional. And one of them, she made mention of the fact that when she saw the complaint where he was using the towel to cover his genitalia, she was the one that gave him the idea to do that. There was one consistent thread through all of these um, accounts that these ladies were giving was that he was always getting massages in the same relative area, which is the glutes, the hips, the groin, those, that area of muscle. And some of them made mention of what they would do if you're giving someone a massage and they become aroused during that time, then you just move away from that area till they settle down, etc. No, this is still um, uh, an emerging situation because two women today came out and detailed their experiences with Deshaun. It's still right now to me a lot of he said, she said, and we don't know who is to believe to be believed at this point. But I wanted to get your thoughts on these most recent updates. Uh, honestly, I can't say I have anything different. I, I generally, I just find, I, this is not something where I can pick sides because I, I, as you just aptly put it, it's still a lot of he said, she said, it's, it's still both sides coming. Like, so now the defense is coming out with their argument, like. Um, Deshaun's lawyers bring uh, has women who female masseuse masseuses whatever is the word for real who are claiming that you know he was nothing but respectful so there's no issue there to counter obviously the 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 um, lawsuits from Busby and his people his um, clients um, so yeah I, I honestly I I hadn't given it too much thought as yet I I did see that. Um, the part about the two women that spoke out today, like actually giving an interview. Uh, I didn't look at the video itself. I just kind of was like reading the transcript of what one of them said. Um, can't recall the name exactly, but I think she was the first one. She was the first. Mm -hmm. I think it was a right. So yeah, I was kind of just reading her transcript and um, yeah, according to her words, she you know it's like she seems very hurt and saying that that he's kind of ruined a profession for her so it seems to be getting a lot deeper and i'm not really trying to pick any sides or make uh, um make my own judgment on it i have no idea at this point i'm kind of as as you are just uh watching it as it unfolds and looking to see um how it goes especially uh based on what we're doing how this unfolds with the nfl and what um basically penalties that uh, handed down to him and his organization. Yeah, it's, it is going to be interesting to see how this plays out because as we had detailed um, very early on when he was making his agitations to be moved from Houston, at that time, he would have been the most sought after free agent. Well, not even free agent, most sought after traded player in probably NFL history. And what the deal that, the Jets just made with the Panthers is going to be evidence of is that that trade market for Deshaun is, if it is not completely closed, that door is is probably just I there. I, I honestly feel like it's completely closed now. That's me personally, because I think that the Panthers were the one team who, from all, from all of the reports we were hearing, the Panthers were the one team who were willing to really go in, you know, and and mm -hmm. the fact that we're so close, like even when we were speaking about this before, I don't, I'm not sure if you recall this, but I was saying before all of this, this this entire situation happened, his legal troubles, I was mm -hmm. saying I expected him to be traded closer to the drop to drop there, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of teams were waiting because they they expected that if if calls were eventually going to be answered by the Texans and these were going to be made, it would be around this time where uh, the Texan Texans could possibly get. Uh, some good draft capital, right? 
And so the fact now that to me, the Panthers have made this deal so close to the draft after they were the ones who were potentially his 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 biggest um the, the biggest quarters of him. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I don't, I'm not even sure if it's slightly a jar. I feel like it is shut for this season at least. I feel like it's shut completely. That's just me. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because right now, a trade for Deshaun Watson is far away from everyone's mind. We need to get to the bottom of what's happening where he and these ladies are concerned. Um I know his lawyer will understand that the argument will be made that just because he didn't do something with these 18 women doesn't mean that he didn't do something with the 22 that are currently coming up, while the 23 that are saying that he has been involved with them improperly. Because remember, as we mentioned last week, there's one lady who says she's not joining the lawsuit. She just wants an apology. So he needs to figure out where that one is going to go so next up we have Tyler Lockett so after we you know I'm sorry it it was a little bit of a a negative spin now we're going to talk about somebody getting some money and that is Tyler Lockett who signs a four year 69.2 million dollar contract with 37 million dollars guaranteed to stay with the Seattle Seahawks AJ is this a good move for Lockett? That's the first. That's the first place I want to take this. Is this a good move for Lockett? Yeah, yeah. Getting money? Yes, yes. <laughs> Just get, look. Anytime, anytime a man gets uh, uh, gets his money, I, I is a good move for them. I in in this, especially especially in this this sport itself, this entire arena, just the the entire. Um, industry that is the NFL. I'm, I'm for anybody getting their money. I mean, me as, as a fan of a particular team, I'm, you might hear me call once or then if you pay this particular player, but that's just being a fan. The reality is I want people to get their money. I, I, I have no qualms with that. So for Tyler Lockett, yeah, I think he, he's, he's been improving, um, improving in that team. He's, he's proven himself last season to be a very reliable, at least number one, he he's he the man has been doing it. He he's been playing his way into a contract and he got paid. I, I love it for Tyler Lockett. So the only reason, the, the only reason that I started with is this a good move for Lockett is not necessarily based on the numbers because for him, that is a fantastic contract. So almost 70 million dollars. You you don't turn down 70 million dollars. Exactly. But the the reason why I I ask if it's a good move for him is based on the team that he's with. So we know that um well at this point Russell Wilson is still a Seahawk, and the expectation is that he will be a Seahawk come the start of the season. His trade market is pretty much done. Everywhere that he said he wanted to go, they have secured themselves a quarterback for this season, at least. And the price is always going to be too high to get him out of Seattle. So we knew that he more than likely was going to stay, even though my mayor was trying to encourage him to come over to New Orleans. Sorry, mayor. It didn't quite work out. No, the the philosophy of Seattle has almost always, during this Pete Carroll time, been run first. And it's always been run first with an offensive line that can only run block. They can't pass block. Then you bring in that they, they have that monster that is on the other side of the wide receiver line from Taylor Lockett, um, whose name escapes me yeah. at this point. Yes, DK Metcalf. So you got DK Monster on one side and then Taylor Lockett on the other. Metcalf, because of his physical traits, his height, his speed, his jumping ability, which is, I guess, reminiscent of a young Julio Jones, he's going to get his numbers as well. So in a lot of, in, in a way, it kind of feels like if Tyler got paid so that he will, you know, stay calm and not get upset when he's not getting the targets, he's not getting the numbers because more than likely, especially knowing that 
Seattle, if there's one place that's going to take a running back in this draft, is Seattle. And they're going to continue to try to run the ball next season. So the, the money is great. The situation, on the other hand, I'm not so sure. I, I don't disagree with you there. The, what I would piggyback off of that and say is, honestly, I don't feel like Tyler Locker was getting this kind of money anywhere else. No, definitely not. Yeah, exactly. So so <laughs> the way I see it is, you, you, you may be right, because DK is... is, is Arguably the emerging number one, but I still think Tyler is is that for right now. But DK is the emerging number one in this team. I mean, you could argue that he probably was last season, but I still think it's Tyler, and then you have DK at the up and coming. Either way, um, the fact of the matter is, yeah, I, I, he. So we agree he wasn't getting this money anywhere else. I think based on on his play, like because I'm not sure of Tyler stats, but just on eye test and what I can remember, the man was still having a really good year. He was still having a really good season last year. Um, so I guess I, I, I'm still for what the, I'm for what the money signifies. It, it's just some sort of stability, essentially. And like you said, his targets might be less. But at the same time, like I said, the way this industry is set up, I, I'm, I'm always for it when, when people get paid. Uh, especially the fact that, you know, sometimes there's a psychological aspect where men don't like to be always bouncing around from city to city um, to try and get. So the fact that this is where... Um, this Seattle has been his home for so long. So to get this money here, he could settle. He'll be taken care of for a few years to come. I I, I like it. I, I still do like it for him. I, I do get what you're saying, though. I'm, I'm not against that. But in the grand scheme, I think is is the good outweighs the bad then. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. I would agree. And his agent is going to put this on his calling card, on his business card, for the rest <laughs> of his life. Because... <laughs> Where everybody else has been struggling to get money in this pandemic yeah. season and in this shortened, well, lessened salary cap situation, he managed to get Taylor Lockett. Taylor Lockett. Taylor Lockett. Yeah, Taylor Lockett. Yeah. $69.2 million. So great, great work for him. Great work for the, the agents. Commission is going to look quite nice. And everybody is going to be happy. I mean, even Russ sent out a tweet celebrating that Taylor got his money. So, all power to them. I still don't want the Seattle Seahawks to win anything serious, but all power. I still don't think them. they will. But yeah, yeah. Get your money. Get your money up, Ty. Correct. All right, AJ. So now we can have some. We can have some more fun conversations here now. So, as I had mentioned at the top of the show, we were also we were doing debate. Go ahead. We're going to debut some new stuff today. And we have a new segment that we're calling Who Do You Trust? So, AJ, because, I mean, we saw some interesting things come out this week about your Patriots. We In one of our chats, we saw a video put up where they said that the Patriots have had the worst free agency in the league. We have um, your owner, Mr. Kraft, coming out and making a statement along the lines of, you know, we haven't been drafting well at all, which some people interpreted as a shot at Bill Belichick. And then we had Jeff Saturday come out very strongly you would think that he himself was a patriot. I don't remember him ever wearing your uniform. I I, I I had to go and double check. I had to go and check. I was like, wait, this guy played for us? Because he was speaking like a real homer, but go ahead. I'll exactly. He was. He sounded like if he like if Teddy Bruschi wrote that speech and gave it to him. So I give it to him. Uh, look, look, I can't present today, Jeff. You want to say this for me? That's Correct. what it sounded like for real. Correct. That's what it sounded like. So, AJ, who do you trust? Do you trust Bill Belichick, the GM, not the coach? Bill Belichick, the GM, and your free agency and roster construction. If I, wait, so repeat it. If I trust Bill Belichick, the GM. Yeah, the GM. Mm -hmm. With regards to free agency, what has just passed in free agency and your roster construction? Because, you know, we're still headed to the draft. 
Well, you you, you know my <laughs> you know my trepidation with what's happened so far. I wasn't. I'm not overly thrilled. Look, I. You still have to give Bill credit for what he's done over the years. I just the only part I really don't trust Bill in is is when it comes to drafting. And I think Robert Kraft was right to say what he said. Jeff Saturday could talk. <laughs> he could talk to me like, yo, I, this this man probably hurt. You know, he probably wanted to come across and and Kraft say, nah, we don't need you. Uh, and and just ex, yeah, just like ex um Bill decision because I I can't understand why he was speaking out of so much emotion. Kraft has, Robert Kraft has every right to, to criticize Bill in, in, in that regard, right? Like, mm-hmm. drafting is a huge aspect of American sports, buddy. Don't act like if this is <laughs> this is just something that, ha- oh, well, you know, we just did it once and we messed it up. This is something you have to do continuously every year. It is a part mm-hmm. of, uh, it is a part of roster building, right? Mm-hmm. Of building your team. Now, now arguably, we're, we're always one of the better teams, so we usually draft, like, lower down in the first, in the um, first round and whatnot, but still, it's some of the things that the man has done. You just mentioned DK Metcalf. How many times <laughs> have you heard me say in this group that we were on the call that night, Ken? And I, I, you, and I'm pretty sure you were. I'm pretty sure you were on that that, that draft night. You were there too, right? Mm-hmm. I was there. I was, I was, I was there was, briefly. Yes. Right, briefly. I, I can't remember if you were there at that point. I know Poole was there. I'm pretty sure Ricky was there too. How many times in the years now since this man was drafted, I was saying DK Metcalf should be a Patriot. Who do we take? Nikhil Harry. Listen, <laughs> I, I I have no qualms with what Robert Kraft said because at the end of the day, if Bill had drafted properly, we probably <laughs> we probably wouldn't have had to out this much money in free agency to bring in John Smith and Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> No, I, so I, you know what? I, you don't I trust would like him. to trust. Huh? You don't trust him. I don't. I, I was just about to say I would. Li- I would like to say I do trust him a lot, but in in the grand scheme, I don't think I do. I don't think I do. This is <laughs> this is all things considered. I, I have like I have like a ten percent trust. So the majority of it lies on no. I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> well, honestly, right? I mean, I don't trust him either. I just have to look back at Nelson Aguilar. That, that is the one. Not, well, I shouldn't say he, that is the one. That is the most egregious one. But the other receiver that you just paid all that money to, I don't remember his name because he was just the slot guy at San Francisco. What has he done? Oh, I'm born or whatever, yeah. Yeah, Kendrick yeah. Bourne. What has he done in his career to engender... A four-year contract at the money that he's getting. And it's not just that these are the players that you've paid. It's also who was available at the time when you decided to pay these guys. So you still had Kenny Galladay on the board. Juju Smith-Schuster was also still on the board. You had Sammy Watkins. I was talking up. Galladay is another one I was talking up. Sammy Watkins was also still on the board. So Juju has taken Juju has taken less money to go back to Pittsburgh. Sammy Watkins has gone to Baltimore, Baltimore where, yeah. where the expectation is that he's going to be blocking. And I don't remember where Galladay has gone. But the New York Jets. Not Jets, Jets, Giants. Sorry, Giants. Okay, Giants. so he's going yeah, to the yeah. Giants. If I was in your position. I would have taken any of the three of them yeah. before, yeah. before I call Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar, I'm sorry, sir, but you ain't it. So I will also have to admit that I, too, do not trust Bill Belichick. So that was number one. Still sticking a bit with the Patriots. We heard that the 49ers were asking or they are asking for a first-round pick for your boy, Jimmy Garoppolo. So, the question now is, do you trust Jimmy enough to trade a first-round pick to get him on your squad? Yeah, yeah. And you, and you know why? Yeah, I'll, I'll t- and, but I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. This is because of the progression of things that's happened le- leading up to this point. This is like the cul- 
this would be like the culmination of what has taken place in our free agency so far. Under normal circumstances, I would, I would, I would actually say, you know what? No, it doesn't make sense. But given the fact that he's brought in these men on some big money, again, the John o. Smith, the Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, you're bringing in offensive weapons, right? Okay, cool. And you're paying these men. So this is not a rebuilding with, with a young quarterback kind of system. And, and now, mind you, if, if you already have a system in place, it's easier to bring then bring a young quarterback in and ingratiate him into that. As of, as of this point, we don't have that, you know. We don't have that. Because obviously Tom left and then last year, I have no idea what last year was, but it was a throwaway year, essentially. Now with all these new pieces, this is something, it's a new, com completely brand new project, right? So this is not a situation for a, 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 a QB out of this draft class to come into. It, this in a, I mean, the other quarterbacks available too, but I don't trust them either. The fact that that Jimmy G has been here already, I and I already know what you're going to say. So that I'm, I'm trying to make sure I get all of these points out, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, we know his, we know his the 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 best ability is availability, and that is his biggest issue, which is which is why I, I understand where you're going to go. However, given the fact that we're picking at 15. Most of the uh, all of all of the, the highly touted QBs are going to be gone by then. I can't see what we're going to do with that pick. And given the resources that we have on this team now, and looking forward to this upcoming season, it's better to have a quarterback who has some experience. I mentioned the other quarterbacks because there's like um <laughs> and I could see us doing something dumb, like signing Mitch Trubisky, or there's somebody else that's free that um Oh my goodness, I had the name and I can't recall. No. Anyway, like Mitch Trubisky and somebody else, that might come to me. There are those others, other names. I'd rather bring back Jimmy. Honestly, I'd rather bring back Jimmy. And 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 I know I know for a fact that somehow you're gonna find a way to bring up that miss pass to Emmanuel Sanders in the quarter bowl, in the um Super Bowl. I know you're gonna find a way to bring that up. But the fact of the matter is he's he is he is good enough to be to work in a system. I, I still believe so because they got to the Super Bowl with him. The Niners that is. So, yes, give, give up that 15 round pick, 15 pick, getting too excited. Give up that <laughs> <laughs> first round 15th pick and bring back Jimmy. Yes. So, I trust it. I trust it. Yeah. So, as you are the resident Patriots fan, the only team in the NFL that would even think about this is the Patriots. And that's only because of the history that you have exactly. with Jimmy that you've just outlined. Because for every other team, if you are San Francisco and you really want to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, there's no way you're getting a first-round pick because the rest of the league, just like me, does not trust him enough to give you a first-round pick for him. I am, you just mentioned so many things that I have mentioned on this show before. So I'm not even going back there. I'm just looking at the Thank facts. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at this point, there, there's no point. I've already spoken about all of those things. His, his lack of availability, the, the mistro, the 13 passes over two playoff games on that Super Bowl run. I don't need to get back into those things again. However, when you look at the state of affairs in the NFL and what these quarterbacks have been going for, Sam Darnold just went for a sixth, a second, and a fourth. And if I had the option to pick between Sam Darnold and Jimmy Garoppolo, I am not picking the guy that is always injured. So, no, I do not trust Jimmy Garoppolo. And I, I didn't want to care much further than that because then it leads me into the third do you trust, which is because you said that you will give up your 15th pick to bring Jimmy back home. But you got Cam Newton, though. You have Cam now with a, with a year under his belt in the Patriot way, and you just paid him $10 million to come back. So do you trust Jimmy more than you trust Cam? Or do you trust Cam more than Jimmy. Is still the same. Bring me Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Bring. This is no disrespect to Cam. 
this is no disrespect to Cam, but but Jim, Jimmy throws the ball more effectively. Like bad knees or not, injury injury prone or not, Jimmy throws the ball more effectively than Cam. And this is the one thing you know that I had issues with when we brought in Cam last season. That this that was the first thing that 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 was my concern, main concern. I don't like how Cam throws the ball, and it's not just it's not just a. Uh, 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 it wasn't just me saying it. It's, it's like looking at his mechanics. Even I just don't like the way. Like he looks very odd throwing the ball as well. His feet don't move in in the right direction. Like he he's he's an athlete. I give him that. And and I actually really think the guy's a very good athlete. In his here day, we know what he did. MVP caliber, all of that, right? But teams in Super Bowl, all of that. But he's not that anymore. And I don't see how the the moves we've made for our offense actually compliment him. You know, they compliment somebody who throw a bit more. And to me, that's still Jimmy. And and you know you know what? One thing I just forgot to add, let me just stick this in here quickly. I, I feel like the Niners know exactly what they're doing, you know. This is like a call to the parts. Look, come and get your boy. I feel when you look at it, they know, they know, asking for, like you said, what other team is going to give up a first round pick for Jimmy? It, it, it could only be us. Because of the history and because of where we're drafting, it's almost near impossible to draft a quarterback at that at that position in 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 um in this draft, right? Like you know what? Feel a pass my warranty. What 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 do they have they could give up? Ah, first round pick. Yeah, put that out there. Let me get that out to the media. Let the uh, uh, just just to like hook line and sinker for Bill. <laughs> I, yeah, and I, I, I want to be vexed if it happened. Yes, I trust Jimmy. I trust Jimmy more than I trust Cam. Ain't no disrespect to Cam, but. I want somebody to throw the ball a little bit more when he plays. I'm glad that you say when he plays because that is exactly where, <laughs> that's exactly where I was about to start. I know, I know, I know you too well. I know you there too well. There is no way, no way that I am bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo for a first round pick when they have Cam Newton for the simple fact that that last season. The only issues that Cam really had was COVID. He was healthy for the majority of the year. Yes, his passing was not very good. But he came into a brand new system dealing with, with receivers that we know wasn't no good. Not that there weren't any good. There wasn't no good. And on top of that, the offense was predicated on his legs. You, The threat of Cam running the football was what made your offense tick last season so you're bringing wide receivers this season and let's be honest if you bring in jimmy garoppolo you don't expect jimmy garoppolo to play 16 games jimmy garoppolo has not played 16 games in his life he's he has not played 16 games in any season even when he was replacing tom when tom was hurt he got hurt and then you traded him away you cannot expect that Jimmy is going to be there all the games of the season. So then, if you're bringing in Jimmy, chances are that means that you're not keeping Cam. So you get rid of Cam. So when Jimmy gets hurt, then you have Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham I, I, as his backup. Hoyer is still there, you know. I know Hoyer still there. You know? Hoyer has to be Hoyer. there. Hoyer is the prodigal son that is just going to continue <laughs> cashing Robert Cross checks until he decides that he is done sitting on the bench and getting paid for nothing. That is what Brian and, Hoyer and, does. At this point, this man is a free agent. He is not on my roster, right? All right. Okay. But I'm, just know just know you can hear that he's back there because that is what happens. Brian Hoyer knocks out somewhere else and when it doesn't, work out because it never works out for Brian Hoyer, then we hear Brian Hoyer is back with the Patriots. He can be what you see. By the end of this offseason, he is going to be your scope team quarterback. Watch it. So I, there is no <coughs> way, there is no way that I'm going to tell myself that I'm going to pay whatever I have to pay after paying this first round pick just to get him to have Jimmy Garoppolo play 10 games. And then they have to roll out there with Jared Stidham for the next six, knowing that in those six, you're going to go 0-6 because Stidham himself is not very good. While Garoppolo may be, at this point, it seems, a more accomplished passer than Cam, the offense has more 
variety and it has more options. It has more opportunities to be good with Cam running the football from behind center, working the play action pass and throwing the ball to Kendrick Bourne and occasionally to Nelson Aguilar. Then if you bring in Jimmy and you have to hope everything on his arm and his fragility. I'm sorry. I don't trust Jimmy. Give me Cam. Still, I still do. I still do. I, I, I just don't. I don't trust Cam like that. I don't. I like. I take what they're saying about the the offensive um setup, the tactical setup of it. But at the same time, play action with who? Sony Miguel. Listen, get me somebody who can throw a ball. Do get me some. I mean, I mean the 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 tight ends will do a good set of blocking. So that is going to help improve on the situation Cam had last year. I, I do get that. I admit that. I think I mentioned this last week. They're both uh, um, blocking tight ends, right? Still, though, Ken, I just, I, it just kind of feels, I don't know. I, since last year, I wasn't really too enamored with, with bringing in Cam. Then this year, it was like, all right. It was kind of like a resignation for me. It's like, all right, well, if we bring him back, cool. But then I, what I did say at the beginning, at like the end of the season, leading into the, the um, postseason, is that I feel like we're going to go back for Jimmy. So maybe part of me just wants to be right because I, I, I feel like this is written in the stars that we're just going to end up going back for Jimmy. And, and this just seems like it. it. At this point, we're not rebuilding. A, 50, a, 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 a drafting in the middle of, of round one for what? To, to pick up what? After we just spent so much money on, on offensive weapons? I'll just bring me a QB that, that could throw right now. I, I take what you're saying. Me personally, I, I would have no issue if I saw Jimmy back. I, I we'll get somebody to play the other six games when he goes down. <laughs> and Bortles still free. Bortles. He was oh the other name I was trying. Days. That was the other name I was trying to remember. That was the other name I was trying to remember. Oh my days, <laughs> Blake Bortles. We yeah. really scraping the barrel now. I upgraded from a number three to a two. And and you were you were mentioning Mitchell Trubisky, who is currently the backup with the Bills. He's he's oh yes, he went. Sorry, he did go to the Bills. Yeah, I completely forgot that. Yeah, I mean, he did go to Buffalo. I mean, if you guys were to come in for him. I'm not sure he'd want to say no, but the compensation that you'd have to give the bills, no, that's another story altogether. Because no, nah, no, nah, I was that was just me predicating. That. I completely forgot that he was no longer free agent. That year. he was, he was backing up old Joshy for the for the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we we spent a lot of time talking about the quarterbacks that you guys could have had. <laughs> I know you you still thinking that you might go get Jimmy. I wish you we, we, well. We made, we made more foolish moves than that so far. I mean, that would be right at there besides paying Nelson Aguilar. So I was just about to say, tell me as a potato, <laughs> tell me you wouldn't love to see that after we paid Nelson Aguilar, that we went and brought in Jimmy G. I know you would love to see that. You would I love would, to see it. I would be, we, we would have a whole show of me just laughing. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. I mean, come on. Nelson Aguilar, Jimmy Garoppolo. Honestly, as you said, you guys are drafting 15th, right? I would have preferred you to pick up a skill position player than pay Nelson Aguilar. At the end of the day, we know that teams must spend a certain amount of money with regards to the cap. So regardless of who you brought in, you would have had to pay them at least a lot of money this season. I don't understand giving Nelson Aguilar more than a one-year deal on a lot of money. I think he has what, a four-year deal on way too much money. So, yeah. 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 So, that was Who Do You Trust? Our first ever Who Do You Trust? And I believe that that was a lot of fun. We will definitely be doing this again in the future. I feel like you were laughing at my pain there. Yeah, sorry. It was therapeutic for you. It was hilarious for me. Um, so, yeah, uh, we have our final thought. No, unfortunately, our final thought this week is not as lighthearted as the conversation that we just had. This final thought is born out of a report that we saw come out this just this weekend 
um, it was updated yesterday, where Jeff Gladney, the one of the starting cornerbacks with the Minnesota Vikings, he was arrested, but he turned himself in to the police, and he is on a $10,000 bond where he is charged with third-degree felony family violence assault. The report that came out um, from J.D. Mills, who is with CBS 11 in Dallas, says that this incident with Mills occurred on April 2nd, which for those who come from a religious persuasion, was Good Friday. Gladney is accused of hitting the accuser with closed fists, choking her and dragging her by the hair while driving with her outside his vehicle. The report that I saw from Bleacher Report made mention of her having bruising on her face and her hands and also she had some cuts on her knee. I mean, this entire situation is extremely disturbing, especially when you factor in that Gladney had her dragging outside of his vehicle while driving and holding her by her hair. Now, the NFL has a domestic violence problem. It has had a domestic violence problem for a while. And Unfortunately, it does not seem as if it's going away anytime soon. I came across an article, as well, a link. It is on Click It Ticket, where it was compiling a list of players arrested for domestic abuse in the 21st century. Now, this, the last update to this was March 27th of 2019. So Gladney and others who have had more recent scrapes of the law are not included in this list. But when the, there's a paragraph here that was that is so disturbing, it says our list contains 880 current and former NFL players who arrested for domestic violence a combined 94 times. And that was up until March 27th, 2019. We see that domestic violence is not just a problem in the NFL. It's a societal problem. We have men beating women. It is less common, but it also happens, women beating men. And then there are those who are of the LGBTQ persuasion that face domestic violence in their own relationships. And this really came to a head, especially in the NFL, back in 2015, courtesy of one Ray Rice at the time of the Baltimore Ravens. Now, Ray Rice was not the first one because, as I just said, there are 80 players that had been arrested between 2000 and 2019 that had been arrested for domestic violence. But the problem that the league had where Real Rice was concerned was that his was caught on video. And I saw the video. AJ, did you see the video? Yeah, I did. I did. It was, it was disturbing to say the least, especially when you saw when he punched his then fiance, no wife, where she hit her head on the banister in the elevator. That in and of itself was disturbing. But players had been beating up on women prior to that. And especially if you were to see this article on Click It Ticket, and you start going on through the names that were called for domestic violence. In a lot of cases, you saw that the case was dropped. And this, again, is not something that is restricted only to the NFL and famous football players, or in some cases, not so famous football players. But the women were not coming forward with the evidence in court. Um, as I said here, um, of the 80 men listed, 62 were six feet or taller, 16 weighed more than 300 pounds but during their playing days. Um, 
As for the victims, 30 had at least one child with their assailant and six were pregnant at the time of the abuse. And the NFL, at the time when a lot of this happened, did not have a discipline policy with regards to domestic violence, as I made mention of in my final thought last week. It was only after this railway situation happened <clears throat> that the NFL started to take um, measures to try to develop an NFL uh, domestic violence policy where at this point it says that if you are involved in an act of domestic violence then you get six games for your initial suspension the second suspension you'll be suspended for a year and then after that you'll be kicked out of the league and this list showed a lot of repeat offenders so I mean at least the NFL, they've tried to make things better. They've tried to do things differently. But it's still not enough. And we know like the situation with Gardner. Now, one of the things that I believe that the NFL could do or should do, they really need to spend some money on their players in terms of education and counseling and stuff like that. Because I remember, I do not remember who said it. But I remember hearing the comment being made that the NFL in itself is a violent game. Guys go out and they are paid literally to knock the stuffings out of each other during the game. And then when they leave the game, the expectation is that they then, you know, they change that mindset and they're now supposed to be non-violent in their civilian life. And while I am not a trained psychologist, I do believe that there may be something to that. And it's something that the NFL definitely should spend some time figuring out. Now, this situation with Gladney, Gladney is the most recent example of someone running afoul of this situation. But he's, he definitely is not the most high profile. We had a situation with Antonio Brown just two seasons ago, was it? When he agitated to get out of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh gave him what he wanted. They released him. They let him go. He wound up going to the Oakland Raiders because I think they were still in Oakland at the time. And then gets kicked off the team because he decided that he didn't want to be there and created as much ruckus as he could. To go to the Patriots only then for lots of allegations, which are more grave than the allegations that Deshaun Watson is facing, where it is a lot of sexual violence, where even though he's still facing a rape charge, or at least it's a rape case, because as far as I remember at this at the point of this taping, it is a civil complaint and not a criminal one. But he has had his issues, and yet still he was a member of a Super Bowl winning team this season. The NFL, society in general, has to do a lot of introspection when it comes to looking at women in general and how society treats women and domestic partners how we respond, how we look at acts of domestic violence, because more has to be done. We have to do more as men to protect our women. Women have to do more to protect themselves and to protect each other. And the league has to find a way to help these young men because most of these players right now it hurts me to say I'm, clearly I'm getting up in age because when I see when I remember what my date of birth is and they see these guys now are being born in the mid 90s and the things that they're getting up and getting involved in if they didn't have the home situation before the league has to find a way to create the environment so that the training that they may not have had coming in that they have it that they understand that you don't put your hands on a woman, not in anger. I mean, if it is a, a romantic situation, 
and you're going to do it nice and gently or however she likes it, then that is fair game between you and her. But the abuse has to stop. We have to get to a point where we respect each other. We, we love each other. And just as the good book says, you do unto others as you have them do unto you. If you are 150 pounds, 110 pounds, or 310 pounds, the respect that is due determines that you will not be beating up on this human being who has every right to life and existence, love and happiness that you do. And I think I will leave it there for now. All right, folks, do you have any comments on this one, AJ, before we wrap up? No, it's, it's, I, I'm glad you addressed it because um, just, so just before we came on here, um, when we were speaking about this and you posted that, that Gladney had gotten involved in this situation. I I wasn't even aware. I wasn't aware of this one. I honestly wasn't. But I, the, the first reaction was kind of what I just did is like to shake my head. I was like, again? Um, and like you said, it could be a case where some, you need to like, not society generally, but in terms of these, referring to the league, like these players get some sort of educating when it comes to this general issue um, of, yeah, how to global, because, like, you, I, I, right, so I was, I was going to reference the psychological aspect that you spoke of, regards to the fact that their job is to be beating up on each other, and then, you know, they're expected to switch that off as soon as they get into their own, like, domestic life, so um, there may be something that needs to, to become a, a an educational bridge of some sorts to, to help them in that transition from work to home. But I, it was just kind of heartbreaking to read something like this again, to be honest. I... Yeah, it is, it is difficult. And I would even say that it should start even before the NFL. Because the NFL oh, is, definitely, definitely, yeah. Yeah, is, is a closed league and only so many players actually do make it onto a roster. But there's so many guys who go through college playing in Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and the divisions below that that can stand to benefit from this level of education. And they only pray that they get it. Because we got to do better than this. Yeah. All right, folks. So that is the end of another Green Beige podcast. This is debuting, as we had mentioned. If you saw it, it launched on Wednesday morning. Thank you for being with us and spending some time with us. We will have morning um, episode debuts from here going forward. We are still working on some other things to get um things better for you and find where you can find us in more places than just here on youtube so definitely keep your ear out for that more information on that is to follow so that is the end of the this edition of the green bridge podcast that is aj he's the green i'm ken i'm the bitch we'll see you 